0: This is the SBI Podcast. I am Garrett Cleverly, Ivis Glarsepez, made it home safely from Portland. Ivis, it's good to know that you're back in Jersey, safe and sound.
1: <laughs> I don't think I was ever in danger in Portland, but I got to tell you, man, I loved it out there, and uh, I can't wait to go back. And I, I think I can add, safely say, I-, I would add Portland to the list of cities that I wouldn't mind living in.
0: I know, you kept telling me how much you wanted to live there. I mean, you were singing its praises for a while yeah you know it's just a, it's just a great city it's got
1: it's got a personality all its own and uh the people are great and, and they love their soccer and uh it's you know it's it's kind of like i mean i, I mean I, I said similar things about seattle you know i loved seattle when i went out there and uh you know just clean air and and just a laid-back vibe it's it's a lot different from the east coast but portland man portland's just uh it's a chill city and the, and you feel the passion for the sport there uh the soccer fans are, are really really passionate there and and it's just a it's a, it's a, it's a nice city just to kind of chill out in. I mean, whether you want to hang out downtown or you want to chill in the suburbs or you want to go fishing. Uh,
0: all, I mean, right, it, all right, all right, I mean, stop it, stop it. Okay, all right. We know that <laughs> you love. This public service it. announcement. Yeah, was we we know that you love Portland. Portland, and I keep telling you, dude, the West Coast is way more chill. I keep telling you this.
1: Oh, it's more laid back. The East Coast has. I'm not going to get into an uh, East Coast West Coast beef here. But, I, but the West Coast definitely has, his, has its, its bonuses.
0: Well, Ivis, we have a, a excellent show lined up here today. We're going to talk MLS. We're going to preview the games going into this weekend. We're also going to talk to Joe Corona. He plays for Tijuana for the Zolos. They had a fantastic victory over Corinthians. We're going to talk to him about that and some other stuff going on down there. However, though, Ivis, before we get into all that stuff, MLS is having a pretty good week so far in CONCACAF play.
1: Uh, without a doubt. Yeah. You know, it was, you know they didn't finish three and zero but when you look at the three games that the MLS teams played this week I think they all could, you know could come away with with feeling good about each one of them in their own way I mean obviously tonight you had the LA Galaxy uh, finishing zero zero uh, down in Costa Rica against Herediano that's a, that's a good result for them even though they they probably got robbed by at least uh, for one goal at least by one of those infamous Concacaf referees mm-hmm. uh, the Seattle Sounders. Lost 1-0 to uh, Tigris, which, you know, considering how strong and how how dangerous Tigris is, uh, they got to be happy with that result, even though they were thoroughly outplayed. I mean, it could have been 3-0, 4-0. But instead, it's 1-0 going back to CenturyLink Field, and the Sounders have a chance to pull the upset. And then, obviously, the biggest result... Uh, for MLS this week was the Houston Dynamo pulling off the 1-0 victory against Hercules Gomez and Santos Laguna.
0: Wait, exactly. And I'm not sure if everyone knows this cuz I saw some discussion going back and forth on a different couple websites, but for this round for the for this round in CONCACAF play, the tiebreaker, the first tiebreaker is the away goal. And like you said, Ivis, I mean Houston is in a great position right now cuz if they go down and and at least get one goal on the road against Santos Laguna. That goal could be huge. However, though, when you look at Seattle and L.A., I mean, it's a double-edged sword. For Houston, it's great. And now for Seattle and L.A., I mean, you're almost going to be biting your nails in those games.
1: Well, I'd say of the three teams, I think LA's is, is sitting in the best position because... Better than Houston? You know, I'd say so, man, oh, because... Man, people, I, I mean, listen, know. Santos Laguna playing down in Santos. Yeah, but if they get
0: one goal. What happens if they that, push? That, for-
1: listen, Santos Laguna can score three goals in a heartbeat. Last year... Just to refresh your memory, last year the Seattle Sounders had uh, won the first leg by a goal, and then they went down to Santos Laguna and got destroyed. Toronto FC tied Santos Laguna in the first leg last year, and then in the second leg in Santos Laguna down in Torreon, they got destroyed. Uh, I got to tell you, this, this year's version, this this current Santos Laguna team, isn't quite as dangerous an attacking team, but they're still a very, very good team. They, they're, so far this year, they're 3-1 and one at home. Uh, and only have allowed one goal in four games. I mean, I think I you know th- anyone who watched that Houston game. I mean, credit to Houston; yeah. they, they played a great game. Uh, they pushed it to they pushed it to the end. They kept it close. It's not going to be easy by any means. Uh, for me, I think the Galaxy needing just a win at home against Herediano. I think that that for me is the easiest of the three, the easiest task of the three. Uh, and I think Houston going down there. Houston has the defense, you know, to keep it close. Make things interesting, but what people need to realize is, you know, you get on that wide field in Torreon, uh, the the speedsters for Santos Laguna are going to have that much more space to go at the Houston defenders, and it's really, really going to be tough to contain them. Uh, as far as the Seattle Sounders go, you know, obviously coming home, uh, you, you have to like the chances uh, of, of maybe winning a game at home, but is it going to, you know, is it really going to be enough against a team like Tigres? Because what do you do? It's pick your poison. Do you sit back and defend and counter at home? Or do you go at them at home? And and most people would think, oh, if you're at home, you should go at the opponent. But listen, Tigris is too good, too dangerous for you to just think you can throw numbers at them and not pay the price. So C. Schmidt's going to have to think long and hard about his strategy for that game. And it, it really is, you know, of the Mexican teams that, they're, that are in this, this mix, Tigres is the best team in Mexico right now. And, and they're going to make it really tough for Seattle.
0: Well, like you said, I mean, let, let's focus on Seattle right here. It seems like the issue in their first two games against Montreal and against Tigres has just been their play up top and, and their lack of finishing. And now... With Femi Martin playing today, it doesn't seem like Seattle's going to get any help anytime soon at that forward position and they're going to have to work with what they got right now.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you know, the, the one game the Montreal game, obviously they, they could have finished better. I don't know if you want to necessarily sit here and already say that they're just not going to be able to finish well. I mean, I think one game is not enough to say that. The the game down the, the game down in Mexico wasn't a case of them not finishing. It was a case of them being thoroughly dominated. Tigres dominated that game. Uh, They controlled it throughout, and they could have put up three, four, five goals on them, but ended up only coming away with one. Um, I I don't think it's a case of finishing; it's it's a case of the uh, the opponent for that second game. Now you come back, you're going to play at home, and I tell you what, Seattle has some some good attacking weapons, and I think scoring a goal is not going to be an issue for them. The question is, can they shut down Mm Tigres? Can they walk that you know that balance balance that that line between Wanting to get get on the board, wanting to go at them, but also being careful defensively because Seattle defense isn't exactly a world-beating defense right now. So I think Tigres, even though Tigres is also missing their their leading scorer, score, I think they have too many weapons to keep to for Seattle to shut them out.
0: Well, the teams play here. Uh, it's going to be another week before they play. All all these teams were off this weekend. MLS gave them a bye. It's going to go in the same, uh, same. Actually, different order than when they played. Seattle's going to have the first game on the 12th. Houston versus Santos Laguna on the 13th. LA versus Herediano on the 13th as well, too. So there you go. Well, the Teams have a couple more well, days. Well, I will tell you what. The
1: scheduling. You have to mm-hmm. give MLS credit yeah. for for realizing that for for you know being able to look ahead and see the matchups and and give these teams a bye week. And that's a big that's a big advantage for them because when you talk about you know the Mexican teams. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to have tough games during the weekend that they're going to have to play. And then they're going to have to tra- – well, you talk about uh, Tigres. Tigres has to travel all the, way, all the way to Seattle after having after playing a game against San yeah. Luis on the road. So they're going to have two two road games Saturday night in, uh, against San Luis and then all the way up to Seattle. And then when you talk about Santos Laguna now, they're going to host the game. But they also have that game on Saturday at home against, against a tough – Atlanta team that, you know, they, they can't, they can't rest starters. You know, they, they, every game matters in Mexico and they, and they still have, you know, aspirations of moving up the table. Uh, you know, they, they got that off to a bit of a slow start. And they obviously had a coaching change there at Santos. And right now they're sitting in sixth place. And it, it, you know, if they want to move up, they, they need a win at home against the second place. at uh, I'm sorry, against Atlanta, Atlanta is not in second place, but Atlanta is not a pushover. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how these Mexican teams deal with that fatigue and deal with doing that, you know, that balancing act of, of getting trying to maybe get some of their starters rest. And if anything, MLS definitely has an advantage in that regard that they're not going to have to play this weekend.
0: No, that's huge. And you know, I think going into going into the games, the opening games, I think if we said if we can get into this result where all three teams have a legit opportunity to pass, not kind of one of those okay, something needs to go their way. Each team has a great opportunity to move on to the next round. And I was speaking of clubs that are in international tournaments, Tijuana. Huge upset. They have some Americans on that team, so that's why we're going to talk about them. And it's the storybook just continues for Tijuana Ivis.
1: Uh, without a doubt, I mean Copa Libertadores. When 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 Club Tijuana won the Mexican League title, mm-hmm. uh, just just the idea of them playing in the tournament was a big deal. And you know, I, I don't think many people actually talked about them possibly actually doing very well in it and and possibly competing to win it. But right now. They're three and zero. They just beat the reigning world club champions Corinthians at home in Mexico, mm. and uh, and you have to get, you have to have tip your hat to them. I mean, they haven't you know as far as I can tell, they haven't allowed a goal yet in three group get, matches, and now to win a game like they did against a tough, tough Corinthians team, I mean, they, they, we can no nobody can look at Club Tijuana anymore and say they're not a legitimate team. They're not just a Cinderella story. I mean, it is a great story to come down from the lower divisions of Mexico. And climb all the way up to Mexican champion, and now uh, Libertadores contender, and the, and then of course, what makes it great for all of us uh, over here on the northern side of the border is the fact that they have Americans playing key roles on that team. Yes, when you talk about Edgar Castillo, Joe Corona, and Joe Corona obviously was a big part of that team, getting that team promoted. I mean, he's you know he's kind of a bit of a a, a hero there, that for the hardcore uh, fans in Tijuana. So you know, it, it's great to see those guys, you know reap the benefits of, of having come up through there and help, help the team get to that level. And now they're playing key roles on that team.
0: Oh, well, Another guy is also getting play down there is Greg Garza, a little more limited, but he's still seen some action. And I think the greatest thing for this, Ivis, is now since Tijuana is becoming more of a national recognition, obviously people are taking him serious, but Tijuana's is playing much higher profile games, and that's great for the development of Edgar Castillo and Joe Corona and Greg Garza as well.
1: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, no, no one can, can can take away from the fact that these guys are playing high-level games. I mean, we're not talking about just in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you can't take, take away those games either because they're playing tough uh, competition on, re- on a regular basis in Mexico. And when you're the reigning champions... Uh, you, you're going to end up playing games that are that much tougher because everyone wants to knock you off, especially when you're, Every-
0: you're the new kid on the block, too. Right?
1: Exactly. You know, no one. You know, you're not traditional their Exactly. Everyone wants to show that maybe they were a fluke, and obviously that that hasn't really been the case. Uh, I think they've done actually pretty, you know, pretty well here and there in the Clausura uh, season. They're currently in fourth place right now, and, and the fact that they're still right in that contention. Uh, And balancing Copa Libertadores is is a testament to what that club is doing.
0: Well, I was speaking of Tijuana and speaking of a guy who's been there since the beginning, we're going to catch up with Joe Corona right here. Joe, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing good, man. How are you doing?
0: We're doing excellent right now, but I'm sure you're on top of the world after that impressive victory over Corinthians.
2: Yeah, it was a a great experience. I mean, we played a, a great team, and I mean, happy that we got the win.
1: Now, Joe, you made it to Copa Libertadores. You knew the challenge the tournament was going to present. But here you guys are after three games. You're 3-0. Could you have imagined that great a start before the tournament began? And what do you think is the key to your tournament success?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, uh, we knew that we, we, we were going to play uh, some very good teams out there. And, uh, I mean... I think that the key to all this, to having three, three, uh, such a great start is because, uh, I mean, the club's been very ambitious. I mean, all of my teammates and, and myself, uh, we're being like on the same page and, and we know what we're playing. I mean, I think, uh, we all want to do a, a good job in Copa Libertadores.
0: Now, Joe, when when you look back on the last couple of years, because you've been with this team for quite some time, is there anything that stands out to you that's very special? You know, was it the win last night? or Is there anything else that you look back on and say, I'm really proud to be part of this organization?
2: No, I think uh, the faith I've always had in myself, and I think the club has transmitted that a lot, too. They've been very ambitious. to They want to be one of the best clubs in, in Mexico, and, and I think they've showed that. Uh, I think uh, a, a big part of this is uh, just the attitude that every player has that comes into Tijuana. I think uh, the, uh, the, the club has done the, the right decisions on, on who they, they bring into the, into the team, you know.
1: You're in a bit of a unique situation in that you live in San Diego, you take that commute every day from Tijuana to San Diego and back. How big is the buzz for Club Tijuana in San Diego, and have you guys overtaken that city?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's very big. I mean, the fan base in San Diego, it's, it's pretty good. I think, uh, every, every game, you see just people crossing the border, coming to Mexico to watch the games. Not only from San Diego, from LA, you, you, you could see people from San Francisco that uh, follow Mexican League, and it's just impressive. But I, I will say about like 30% of the fan base total size every game is from, from the states. That's just impressive.
1: When you hear about the fact that ESPN is going to show Mexican League games in English, do you feel like the interest in the Mexican League is growing in the U.S.? Do you feel that sense over the past years that have you have you have you seen that?
2: Yeah, I have. Honestly, I have because uh, I, now that uh, a lot of, um, of uh, U.S. national team players that are playing in the Mexican League now they're getting more attention. I think that that makes the league grow as well. So I mean, right now that. We're being part of the Libertadores International Tournament. I think uh, it gives uh, the Mexican League more of uh, identity.
1: Obviously, you've been in national team camps before. You've had a chance to play some. Where do you think you stand right now, and how much do you think this experience in Libertadores is helping you state your case to Jurgen Klinsmann to maybe take on a bigger role with the national team?
2: I mean, I, I always try to do, do well in, in, in Cholo, so that way I can get some attention from the national team. I, I, feel that now playing these, uh, international games against great teams like, like Corinthians that just became, just became world champions. I mean, I think, uh, it's a, uh, it's a privilege for me personally to, to be part of that and, and to grow as a player. I mean, I think, uh, it's a, uh, a huge step I make personally and, and a way to, to grab, uh, Clemson's attention
0: you know, moving up to international is is a big jump from going club to international, and now since you've had a chance to play some of these big club international games against some big-name opponents and some big-name players, what have you What have you learned for yourself as far as your play on the field?
2: Well, I think uh, just uh, different styles of, of play, you know, I think uh, you know, you you, you got to bring everything you go out there for, because uh, these teams, uh, the most important thing for them is Copa Libertadores for some of these teams, and, and us as well so we know that we have to go out there we know there's a lot of people watching not only in mexico but all over the world so that's uh also opening doors for for everybody and and i think uh i mean like i said uh it's it's just a uh, different style of soccer i mean we play great brazilian players uh from a lot of players from south america i mean it's just a uh, different style and, and that helps you be more international player you know
1: a year ago, you were part of the U twenty three national team. Obviously, things didn't go well there in Olympic qualifying. But it seems like that experience uh, for a lot of guys, it was something to grow from. And uh, a lot of guys in that team, you know, took that and used that to help them better, uh, better their their play. What did you take away from that experience? And do you feel it made you a better player going through that?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, uh, we all know it was a it was a disappointment not to qualify for. The Olympics, but uh, I think, like you said, it, it helped us a lot individually because I mean, we knew that the next step was uh, the major team, and, and we knew that we all have to do well in, in our clubs. That way, we can grab Crimson's attention. I think uh, we just got to keep moving. Uh, we learned that not only stepping on the field, we're going to win games. You got to actually play them and, and, and show why we're there, you know. So, uh, I think that's one of the lessons we learned as a club and and as a team and individually.
1: Qualifiers are coming up in a few weeks now as far as players in the pool, you've had one of the best runs in the mix, especially in midfield. It seems like it's up in the, in the air and a lot of few positions are up for grabs in the midfield. Do you feel like you're ready to step in and take on a bigger role and do you think feel like you've done enough to earn a spot uh and and maybe some playing time there?
2: Yeah, I mean, personally, uh, I feel, uh, good shape. I, I, I'm mentally prepared. I think, uh, I'm passing through good phase right now. And, and of course, I, I think, uh, I personally deserve an opportunity. And I mean, I'm just waiting for that. You know, I, I feel I'm doing well with my club and, and I'll do my best to keep, keep it that way. That way I can every time get more confidence from, from the national team. And, and if I ever have the opportunity to play, I'll try to do my best like I always try, you
1: know? Now, I'm sure you're not looking too far ahead because you have so many big games on your schedule, but USA Mexico is coming up in Mexico City at Azteca in a few weeks and that's obviously one of the biggest games around. Have you thought about that game and and what it means and about the possibility that you could actually play in that game?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I I always have to keep dreaming try to set myself goals. Maybe get a call-up for, for the next qualifying games. I mean, there's like you said, not only this, but there's a lot of games coming up, a lot of opportunities. And, um, of course, would, it would be an honor to be a part of that. You know, I, I hope uh, I, I get a chance to, to be able to play that game and try to show, show why they call me up.
1: You've reached a lot of your goals as far as playing in the first division in Mexico, winning a championship there, playing in Copa Libertadores, playing with the national team. Uh, what, what's next for you what, what, what's kind of next on your list of goals uh, is is it playing in europe uh what what are you looking ahead to right now as, as far as you know what your aspirations are
2: well i i feel that I, I feel that i've accomplished a lot in such little time and and i i see every, everything at the beginning to be honest i don't see like i've done a lot like i feel i'm still young and, and i can accomplish way more like i think next it's uh getting a an opportunity in the national team and and becoming an important part like I did in Cholos. And and of course, I I would love to to go to Europe, maybe sometime in my career, and and be able to play in in a different league.
1: Now in Mexico, in the Mexican League, it seems like there are quite a few Americans making their way over there to play. It seems like there, there are more Americans playing in the Mexican League than ever before. Do you get a sense that the Mexican League is becoming more accepting of American players?
2: Yeah, yeah, I get that sense, of course, because every time, like I said, there's more American players playing in, in the Mexican League, and think that that makes it a, a a more competitive league, as well because you get players from all over the world coming into the Mexican League, makes it a competitive league.
0: Now, Joe, what's the deal with your teammate Edgar Castillo playing with a broken face? Is he that crazy on the field?
2: <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a great player. I mean, uh, unfortunately, he he just got that injury, but I mean. We miss him out there. He's a he's a great guy, personally, and, and, and uh, he's a great player as well.
0: Were you surprised to find out what happened to him after the game, or did you know what happened to him during the game?
2: Yeah, well, during the game, we we saw him, and he just told us that uh, he got hit in the face. Uh, I mean, with the adrenaline and all that, he didn't really feel much pain. But after the game, uh, they did some uh, ultrasound and like they examined his face and that's when he, he knew he was badly injured. So, I mean, like I said, he's, he's a great friend of mine. One of the players that I, I uh, get along with the most in, in, in trouble and in the national team. And But, like I said, we, we miss him out there last night.
0: <laughs> I know. It's crazy to think that he played with three broken bones in his face. Well, Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it, and good luck going
2: forward. Uh, but I appreciate it. Thanks.
0: I good stuff from Joe Corona right there. I mean, he was—you gotta love the d- determination he has, along with Edgar, Edgar Castillo. And it's great to see those two guys working together to build this club up.
1: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, when you look at Castillo, and you think about his career, I mean, we're talking about a guy who bounced around Mexico. Uh, you know, there was the whole issue of him him playing originally playing for the Mexican national team, mm-hmm. and then switching over to the U.S., but then having trouble having trouble sticking with a team. He bounced around at several teams, and he kind of wondered where he was going to end up, how good a prospect was he really. But everything turned around for him when he went to Club Tijuana, and since he's been there, his his career has really stabilized and taken it and taken off to a new level now. And obviously, he's he's you know come back to the mix with the U.S. national team, and he's you know while he's not getting regular minutes there, at least he's in the conversation, and and with the way he's playing now, he you know he's really starting to push for that for for consideration for a start. As far as Joe Corona goes, I, mean, I tell you what—the way he's playing right now, as solid a player as he's been for Tijuana, and playing these big games—I just don't see how Jurgen Klinsmann leaves him out when he makes his when he picks his squad in a couple of weeks. And you know, he hasn't always brought him on, he hasn't always brought him in, but I tell you what—if he doesn't bring him in this time, considering the games that he's played, the level of play that he's been the, the level that he's been playing at—I mean, I just it'll just be a real mind-boggling decision because I, I just think especially when you talk about playing games against Costa Rica and you know playing against Mexico in Azteca somewhere Corona's definitely played before, mm-hmm. playing against players he's definitely played against. Uh, you know, I'm not sitting here saying, hey, you should start Joe Corona, but I think you have to bring Joe Corona to Mexico City. You have to have him on the bench. You have to have him as an option. And and you can't you know, obviously he doesn't have the caps He doesn't have the experience with the national team. But as we've seen lately, we can no longer say he doesn't have the experience in big games because he has played in some of the biggest games of anybody in the pool lately.
0: Well, let's look at just the U.S. men's national team as a whole right here. I mean, Edgar Castillo broke his face, as we said. However, I'm also reading reports that he actually could get called up for this team. But Ivis, when you look at this team over on General, besides the usual suspects that are going to make it, Tim Howard, Clint Dempsey, you know, Josie Altador, the usual guys, Jermaine Jones... What other guys are on the radar that Klinsman should be looking at that weren't originally called up for that first game but might get a call up this time?
1: Well, I think one name that comes to mind for me is Terrence Boyd, uh, the young forward who's at Raptor Vienna now, and uh, the German-American. He, the, the kid is something special, and he's been scoring goals uh, in Austria and doing well there, and he's a young prospect, someone you, I, I feel that you just need to bring in and, and have a look at him and see what he can bring to the table I think he can give you a little something different. Uh, as far as people who haven't, who weren't called in to, for the Honduras game, that, that's a bit of a tough one. Corona, uh, I, I think, is someone who sh- should definitely get a call up. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what, what Klinsman does with his defense because when you think about Carlos Bocanegra, hasn't been playing lately for Racing Santander. Uh, do you risk not even calling him up because he's not game fit? Or do you have to call him up because he has that game experience? And and you know, between that and Chirondolo not being back yet, edgar castillo being a question mark you know i know there's some talk now that you know he, he doesn't he didn't need to get a plate inserted metal plate in his face so he's his, his recovery time is going to be less he could conceivably wear a mask and play i don't know i don't know if clinsman's ready to have him do that but if castillo can't go does he consider eric lehigh someone who while well, i'll you know readily admit he's not playing at aston villa these days but you know he's someone who has played has shown some good things and you know just for whatever reason Klinsman just hasn't called him in so you know is that someone that he considers and I I think from what I'm hearing Klinsman isn't leaving no stone unturned when it comes to the group that he's going to call in for these two qualifiers and, and I think he's he's widening he, he's stretching out the pool of players, and he's looking He's looking at everybody right now.
0: Well, Ives, it's, I mean, it's you mentioned the defense, and, and now that seems like just a huge clearing issue. And when you look at the options, the options are limited. Let's say in a world where you can't have Bocanegra, you can't have Castillo, let's say you can't have either of those guys, what, what, what could we be looking at for the starting four back there?
1: Well, I think that it's going to be the same four that faced Honduras. I, I think that's a safe bet. I think you're going to have Fabian Johnson on the right. I mean, on on the left, Tim, uh, Timmy Channel on the right, and then you're going to have the center backs be uh, Omar Gonzalez and Jeff Cameron. I think that that's going to be the, the pairing. Uh, that's going to be the foursome, and, and it could be the foursome for the rest of qualifying. I mean, I, it, it's interesting that after that Honduras game, you know, you would have figured. Bocanegra would have to get his job back. He would have to, you would have to get his experience on the field, but he hasn't been playing. He hasn't been, he hasn't been playing for for, for Santander. And, and that, that's a big blow against him. That's a big strike against him. And, and it definitely uh, helps justify Klinsman's decision to stick with the two guys that he stuck with, which I think, you know, talk, the most, from talking to most people that I spoke to, you know, he definitely saw that as an opportunity to kind of build up a new tandem and to kind of, work that combination all the way into the world cup and, and, you know, as risky as it was and, and as, as questionable as it was, uh, for that first game right now, it's almost, it's almost looking like a pretty smart move because, you know, with Walker you know, situation with this club, he's looking less and less like a viable starting option. So, uh, you know, the good thing is Omar Gonzalez has, you know, gotten off to, you know, his season's started now and, he had a really good game against the fire, and uh, you know you you, 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 you want to think that he should be able to hold up against a team like Costa Rica and a player like Alvaro Sabario, who he has faced obviously uh, on multiple occasions in MLS. Jeff Cameron's in a little bit of an interesting situation because you know he went from he's went from playing every single game and playing in multiple positions to now not playing in, in Stoke's last game, and you kind of wonder what is going on there. I think there might be a situation kind of bubbling uh, up there as far as, you know, Tony Poulos, is he starting to tinker now? Is, is he just trying to get Cameron to rest? I mean, I, that one—that one's a little bit of a question mark, but I still think Cameron's going to be there. If anything, you know, heaven forbid, if anything happened with Cameron, I think Matt Beestler would get his chance. I think he's the third guy. And then never forget, Maurice Adu is an option as well as a starting center back. I still think Ooh. that for me, you know, if you had a must-win game, uh, I think you could do worse than Maurice do as a center back.
0: Well, I mean, how good did Maurice do look the last time USA was in state, uh, Estadio Azteca?
1: Well, there you go. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, he's done it. He's been there. Uh, him, him and Cameron look like a pretty good pairing. And, and you have to wonder if that's kind of a, a trick that, that that Klinsman has up his sleeve, yeah. that, that he'll kind of, you know, break out on Mexico when they make that trip to Azteca and uh, the, it is a little bit of a concern about the depth of the defense when you talk about situations like Bocanegra, Castillo with the, with the you know facial fractures, but I think from a starting standpoint, I think, I think there aren't going to be too many surprises there.
0: Well, Ivis, uh, it's going to be interesting also to see how many MLS players get called up for this game, and you could maybe see a couple more guys being called up and starting. Are there any guys that you could think of for MLS that, that have looked good so far? I know it's early, but but guys that you could say, besides Beesler, guys that you could say, you know, he might actually get a look at this position.
1: Well, I think Graham Zusi. I mean, obviously, he, he looked outstanding in, in Kansas City's opening win against the Union. You know, he took over that game, and, he, you know, he was all over the field. And he's someone who you know has had a chance to start before in qualifying and, and has done well. And with the midfields in such a state of kind of flux, you know it, it's really anyone's guess what combination that Klinsmann is going to turn to. But I think MLS wise, I think Klinsmann's someone that comes to mind. Eddie Johnson, I'm not so sure about. You know, I mean, I think he's obviously been starting, but you know, I don't think he looked all that sharp in the in the opening game. He definitely, I don't think he looked sharp in, in, in the Honduras game either. So he's someone who, while he, I, I'm sure he'll be there, I'm sure he'll be in the camp, I'm not sure he's a lot to start. Uh, but talking about Americans abroad, though, I think Breck Shea, someone who at this point, now he's starting to get regular minutes at Stoke City, I, I think it's I think it's a safe bet he's going to start.
0: That's going to be huge on the uh, the left mid for the U.S. men's national team. Well, Ivis, as we talk about all the MLS guys going Possibly getting called up for the team. There's obviously more MLS action this weekend. We're gonna let's talk about a couple of these big games, and there's some even more big games this weekend. The biggest game that I'm looking at right now is DC versus Real Salt Lake. They both had tough opponents in their opening game, and this is going to be a really good game between a DC United team that's going to come out really strong at home.
1: Well, uh, well, it's a, it's it's definitely a game that you know DC needs to wake up and and show the qualities of the team that they were last year, and, and they really. They really laid an egg against Houston. They didn't play well at all. I don't, I don't think anyone can argue that they just didn't look good at all. But now they come home and they have to face the Real Salt Lake team that looked really tough in their opening game. and uh, a, a team that, that went out to San Jose and, and won in a pretty tough place to play. I mean, say what you want about the earthquakes missing several starters. Still, It's still an accomplishment to go on the road and to go to San Jose and win a game. So I think that one, it's going to be interesting to see if DC can put it together, if they can mount an attack, if mm-hmm. they can actually create chances, and and I think that was an issue for them. Salt Lake's defense isn't quite as stingy as Houston's is, but it's no pushover. So that's going to be a question. And, and obviously, we coming, into this, coming into this coming into the season, I had my questions about DC United and their attack, and and you know I think that game's going to show us if if that's a if if that's a very real issue, or or if they maybe or if they're going to be just fine because if they struggle against Salt Lake. And they lose that game, then you got to start ringing the alarm bells.
0: Well, we all Salt Lake's attacking is obviously a little bit better than Houston's right now, too.
1: I don't know if you could say yeah. that. I think they're both pretty comparable. I, I mean, I really, think Salt you don't Lake? Think so? is,
0: is, well, I mean, Salt Lake is
1: is more of an attack minded team, but I think Houston's dangerous. I think they can put goals on the board. I think they're just two different approaches. I mean, I think Salt Lake's going to test DC in a different way. Um, they, they're going to definitely you know pass the ball a lot more and. And really try to, you know, knock it around and and, and stretch DC that way. Uh, but you know, it, I am not I'm not I'm not gonna throw I'm not gonna say Houston's a pushover offensively, because they're not. I mean, now that they have Boniac Garcia for a whole season, uh Brad Davis obviously is is always gonna be great. So I, I wouldn't go throwing Houston aside and saying that they don't have an offense.
0: Well okay, in, in your in this game, who's your pick? DC or are we all Salt Lake?
1: Uh I tell you what, I like Salt Lake. I mean, I think it could be a tie, but I think Salt Lake, I can see Salt Lake going into D.C. and winning that game.
0: I was going to pick that team, too, so you get one point. Congratulations, Ivis. The next game that we're looking at is the Vancouver Whitecaps versus Columbus Crew. Both teams got a victory in their opening game, maybe against teams that were not the hardest opponent, but we've talked before about Vancouver and Columbus, and these are fringe playoff teams that, depending on how the season goes to them, Ivis, these are teams we could be talking about at the end of the season making that playoff push. Right.
1: Uh, They're both teams that, for me, are in that in conversation for the for the fifth place spots in the in their respective conferences, and they both uh, you know were able to get the seasons off to uh, winning starts against weak competition. But now, obviously, they both have to step up uh, step up their game and play a slightly tougher opponent. Vancouver's at home again; uh, they, they're going to face uh, a Columbus team that you know every, anyone that looked just at the score and saw three nil probably thought they they totally just overran mm-hmm. Chivas, but. That was not the case. You know, they, they were up 1-0 up until very late in that game. So, you know, I think both these teams have good attacking qualities. They have good some good attacking components. Uh, I know the Whitecaps with their rookies uh, were impressive and also some some of the new faces there, Kobayashi, Nigeria, Coker, uh, two, to, two that come to mind, and then obviously Columbus with their newcomers. But, I mean, both these teams are still piecing it together because both these teams – uh, brought in so many new faces that I still think they're figuring some things out. I, obviously, the Whitecaps are coping with the loss of Jaden Merritt. Yes. Uh, they had to slide Brad Rusin in there, and he actually did really well as a center back. So I, I think both of these teams are, are works in progress, but this game is very important because the winner of this game all of a sudden is off to a six-point start, mm. uh, which you know is big when you talk about two teams that, that are fighting for those last playoff spots.
0: Well, it, out of this game, who's your pick in this game?
1: Uh, I got, you know what? I got to go Vancouver at home. You know, I think Columbus, it's it's not going to be an easy one. And uh, again, this is another one that's really close, could be a tie. But I think the Whitecaps, I think defensively, they'll be able to deal with Columbus. And, and I think their attack is going to be able to find, uh, create some opportunities, create chances against the crew defense.
0: I'm going to go with the Columbus crew in this game. I'm, I, was actually, I just want to see if uh, we, should, we should always do a weekly poll was between you and me. And we should always, you know, we should encourage the fans to vote too. Below in the comments, I'm serious. Below in the comments on on the website, everyone the, the games that Ivis and I, Ives and I will pick a winner in each game, and we want to see who you guys pick too. And we'll look through the results and we'll see if anyone got five out of five. You know, I think you know, and if, I think if someone can get a couple right, Ivis, you know, maybe we should give them a special shout out on the show.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's an easy one.
0: Okay, Ivis, the next game that I find intriguing is Portland versus Montreal, only because if if the season started and, and you went to Montreal and you said, look, you're going to take on Seattle and Portland. Your first two games, you're both away. If you could walk away with three three points if you could walk away with at least three points, I think Montreal would have said yes, please we're okay with that. but since they beat Seattle, they have a chance to steal three more points and have six points, a huge league lead in the east. Great opportunity for Montreal right here, but Portland's not going to be a pushover.
1: Oh not, no question. I mean I think the Timbers you know they, they obviously had their, their struggles early on in their opener against New York. but I think what we saw in the second half of that game is what that Portland team can be. Which is a really strong possession oriented attacking team that can really go at people, create chances, put teams under pressure. And, and, you know, they, well, anyone that didn't get to see that Red Bulls game, or maybe anyone who watched it casually, might have lost sight of the fact that even though the, uh, the, the Timbers were losing in 3 1 in the first half, they actually dominated possession in the first half of that game. Mm-hmm. It was just a case of a couple of blunders by Mikhail Silvestre, who obviously, you know, gift wrapped a few goals for New York but the timbers really dominated possession in the first half and then the second half they completely took over most aspects of the game and i, I think that's the team that we we're, we're going to see when portland gets settled in and montreal you got to give montreal credit they were they were really good defensively against seattle very organized they you know they did what they had to do going on the road to in a tough environment you can say what you want about seattle creating chances cuz seattle did create chances they just couldn't finish them mm-hmm. i think montreal uh, you know i don't see them going into portland and taking points. I think the Timbers, you know, they they, had, they have something to build on with that second-half performance, that two-goal rally against the Red Bulls, and I think we're going to see the Timbers post that first victory of the season.
0: Okay, so you got the Timbers. I got the Timbers. I will go with the Timbers also. All right, All right Ivis, the other game that we're going to talk about that's going to be playing on Saturday is Chicago versus New England. It will be New England's opening game in Chicago, a team that's going to be licking their wounds at home.
1: Yeah, you know, when you think about the, the fire, you know, there, there were some expectations coming in to the season about them being a playoff team and, and, and being a contender. And all of a sudden they get smacked in the mouth and lose 4-0 to the Galaxy. And now you have to ask some questions, you know, and, and I think the, the fire, you know, went back to the drawing board. And I think they're too too much, too good a team. I think they have too many veterans on that team now to to you know let that derail their season. I think they're going to bounce back. I think they're going to be eager to get to get on the field against the New England team that's actually just starting their season since they had a bye week.
0: Well, Ives, obviously, I mean, we should expect a different Chicago team to have a different mentality in this game right?
1: No, they're going to come out with something to prove, and they're yeah. going to be at home. They're going to have the home field advantage. They have the fire fans in the season in the home opener. I'm sure they're going to come out in force. Uh, but I'd say what New England's an interesting one. They 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 added so many new pieces, uh, so many so many new signings in the off season, and you re- it's you're really curious to see how Jay Heaps puts that group together, puts the jigsaw puzzle together. And 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 i I'll tell you what, definitely excited to see what uh, a number one MLS draft pick Andrew Farrell does. In his debut, you know this is going to be his first start. There have been a lot of raves going on about a lot of raving about his play and, and how he's looking at at right back for them. And you know he, he's gonna right off the bat. Chicago Fire is gonna you know they're gonna give him some give him a tough test. So uh, I think New England, you know they they've got too many new new pieces in place. I can't see them putting it together in their very first game. Uh, you know I think the Fire are going to bounce back. I think uh, you know guys like Limper, Chris Rolf, Lorentzovitz are gonna. Step it up, and you know if they can get Arne Fried- Friedrich back, that would be huge. But you know, I, I, it sounds like he won't be ready just yet. I think he's a big reason they lost. Obviously, four nil, they missed him because you know he's the the anchor to that defense. But I still think they have enough. I think they'll be able to hold off New England.
0: So you got the fire in that game. I got to go with the fire. Okay, and Ivis that last game is going to be San Jose versus New York. That's going to be in San Jose. And when you look at this game, San Jose lost late to Real Salt Lake, and New York lost late. Well, they, they, they blew up their lead against the Portland Timbers. So you got both teams right here, Ivis, looking to to prove something.
1: Uh, you know, it's, it's, for San Jose, when you think about the way the schedule broke out, you know, they had two home games to start the season. You would have had to like their chances to get some points there. But all of a sudden now, after losing to Salt Lake in the opener, they face a really tough test in the second game. Uh, New York is no pushover as, as, as much as they might have looked like one in that second half against the Timbers. Uh, you know, the question is going to be, how healthy will San Jose be? Who are they going to get back into their lineup? You know, they, they were missing three starters or three key players in that opening match. When you talk about Steven Lenhart, Alan Gordon, and Steven Bittishore, uh, you know, they, they had to put some new faces into the starting lineup. Uh, and, the, you know, the Red Bulls, they, they're they an interesting one because, you know, some of their new players really look good. Fabiana Spindola looked good in his debut. Hamas Alave looked really good at times and obviously got beaten pretty badly a few times. But, you know, I, I just get the sense that New York is still working some things out. You know, like I think the fact that they, they had the late coaching change situation there uh, or, you know, the, the hiring of Mike Pecky coming in when it finally came, you know, it kind of put them behind the eight ball a little bit, trying to catch up and try to implement a new system and everything. And it's you get that sense that they're still trying to figure things out. Um, but I think it's going to be an even game there. I think if San Jose is missing, still missing those key players. I think it's going to be a tight game, and, and I actually see that one ending up a tie.
0: So you have a draw in that game.
1: I, I have. I mean, you know what? I could I totally pick San Jose, but I think no, no, New York, we can do draws think, in this
0: game. That's fine. I,
1: I think New York. I think New York has enough firepower to come away with a point.
0: Okay. Well, here's 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 so let's just go through the games real quick. The five good games that we picked here. So you had Real Salt Lake over DC, correct? Right. Yes. I, yes. Well, yes. I had that too. And then we you had Chicago over New England. Yes. I had that too. Then you had. You had Vancouver over Columbus. Yes. I had Columbus over Vancouver. And then you had Portland over Montreal. Yes. I'm the same with you on that one. In the last one here, you had a draw. I'll take a draw. Okay. And the rules are, for people who want to comment and participate in this, If you, I, will, I will check on the message boards. And if you can beat Ivis, you have to beat Ivis. No tying. If you can beat Ivis, then we will give you a shot on the show. I think that's pretty fair. Right, Ivis?
1: So are you saying you're not going to pick these games, too?
0: Oh, well I mean yeah, me too. You have to beat me too. Well you ha- well you haven't picked this game
1: yet. I haven't heard you pick San Jose in New York. Oh,
0: oh, oh. Uh I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go to New York in this one. Alright. So those are my picks right there. And, and and if I beat Ivis, then I have the high score. You have to beat me if Ivis beats me. So wh- which we're playing I forget, what is that called in golf? What's what's that called? Best ball it's like best ball is what we're playing.
1: I don't play golf, so I don't
0: know what it's oh. you need to come out to the West Coast, man. What come on man. There's golf everywhere out here.
1: <laughs> is that a west coast thing i didn't realize that
0: oh my gosh i mean i grew up in scott's arizona i grew up like golf courses like in my backyard it was it was nice growing up they they hated us too growing up as kids because we'd go on there and and you know ruin the grass <laughs> well uh, you know
1: what I, I grew up in the hood garrett so we didn't, oh my have god go- we didn't have it. golf courses laying around stop it. you know to play golf on so. stop it look we had at basketball you. courts we had a uh, you know you could play a little baseball here and there but yeah we weren't like we, weren't, we didn't have the silver spoons in our mouths. Like
0: uh, I heard, you grew up on a cul-de-sac. That's what I heard. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'll take some pictures
1: for you. I'll show you where I grew up. Yeah,
0: I appreciate that, Ivis. <laughs> well, Ivis, uh, as we wrap up the show today here, I mean, is there anything else that you think that uh, that we missed? That's going to be you know something big going on this weekend on the soccer scene.
1: Well, i tell you, just it, it, once again, like we said it last week. I think you know Jurgen Klinsmann is leaving no st- stone unturned right now when it comes to trying to figure out a lineup, trying to figure out a roster. I think we're going to see some surprises, and I think every game now is a big one for players to 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 impress him and to get on that roster. Uh, the, the training camp uh, that's going to convene in Colorado ahead of their World Cup qualifiers, and uh, you know, right now there's some key injuries. When you talk about Tim Howard and Clint Dempsey, who are, who are both nursing injuries and, and aren't haven't played in their team's recent games, uh, I know there's a there's a bit of a panic going on right now with U.S. fans as far as those guys coming back, especially Dempsey, because you know when you think about Tim Howard, I think some people, I think people in general are starting to feel a little more comfortable in Brad Guzan as an option, uh, backup option, a goalkeeper. But Clint Dempsey's a whole other question when you talk about someone trying to replace him. But I tell people, pay attention these next two weeks because the players that really step up now. The players who really do well have a really good chance to jump right into that roster because I think Klinsmann's keeping all options open right now.
0: Well, and for the casual soccer fan, someone might look at the stats and say, "Well, Brad Guzan, he's you know he's letting in all these goals and blah 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 and all that. He's having a very good season, correct?" Right, Ivis? Right. I mean, I, I don't,
1: I can't think of any goalkeeper in the world that could play behind that Aston Villa defense and actually you know win games. I mean, at the end of the day. He's doing all he can to keep these games from being complete blowouts. I mean, every single game, it seems like he's the one keeping them in it, and uh, he's gaining valuable experience from that standpoint. What I will say is, I know some people are, already, you know, are already considering the, the idea that he's better than Tim Howard or that what? it's his time. No, I'm telling you, I'm starting. I'm starting to hear it. I've, I've read it. I've read the comments on the website. I've seen the comments on Twitter. Let me tell you something, folks. Tim Howard is still the number one. It's not even a question, and it's not just about about experience. It's about quality. He is the number one when he is healthy. So, I'll tell you what: Brad Johnson's time will come at some point, but it, that time is not now. And and to, you know, Tim Howard still is too good a player. And and if you question, if you have questions about Tim Howard, and you haven't watched U.S. play over the past year, it seems the big performances that he's turned in. And I didn't say that just because it's, it's, it was his birthday.
0: It was someone else's birthday this week, too. It was Tim Howard and... Landon, Landon Donovan. Yeah, that's so, right. It's a, big, it's a big week for birthday. It is
1: and, a big and week. And also Brian Dunsett, the original Who? winger. Also his birthday. And Taylor Twoman's uh, almost birthday. His, his birthday is the 29th of February, so he didn't actually have a birthday this past week.
0: Dude, you didn't even wish me happy birthday on my birthday.
1: I actually don't know when your birthday is.
0: It's February 17th. Thanks a lot, dude.
1: I'm sorry,
0: man. I didn't know. Oh my gosh, Ivis! It's not on my calendar so yet. I gotta put it so down. So many issues with this show, beginning with my birthday. Well, we want to thank uh, everyone for joining us. That was just Joe Corona and Ivis. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Enjoy soccer.
1: All right, Garrett, and you uh, ha- have a good time there on the golf course, uh, playing with all your rich buddies.
0: No, stop it. I'm gonna be in L. <laughs> I'm gonna be in L. A. this weekend. the uh, The academy team is, has, has two huge games this weekend, so I'm excited to watch them play.
1: Nice. You can hang out You can hang out uh, over there in uh, wherever all the rich – was it Santa Monica? Is that where the rich people hang out? I,
0: I, I might be spending the night in Santa Monica. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I hate you so much right now. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, that
0: wraps it up for the SBI show today. Everyone, thank you for listening. Joe Corona, thank you. Ivis, have, a, like I said, a great weekend. Thank you. And this is the SBI Podcast. Thanks for listening.